and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast, Texas Recap Edition. I am your host, Parker Fleming, and I'm here with my co-host, Grant McGalliard, who has some things to say about Tom Herman. Grant, how are you? Mensa my ass. Let me tell you, <laughs> Tom, Herman, Tom Herman comes into this game, you know, he says Gary Patterson doesn't, you know, all he does is have his players put their hands in the ground, play fundamental, all that, and yet for some reason, he couldn't see how to best run his offense. He Oh, my God. That game made me so happy, Parker. I cannot tell you how much that win over Texas made me happy. It did, and and the buildup to it just kind of felt like one of those inevitable, no one can explain this, but TCU was going to win this game. Like, all week, you just had that weird feeling of, like, I don't want to say it out loud, but I know something weird's going to happen. And uh, when they did, TCU goes into Austin, upsets number nine, Texas 33-31. to 31. And as a condition of... TCU winning and Max Duggan having a QBR of over 70, 83.7 as a QBR. We bring in the quarterback expert, uh, Mason. Mason, how are you? I'm doing well. And, you know, I'm really, I'm so happy to be on my favorite TCU focused podcast with the Bay City beauty himself, Grandma Gallier, and of course, the Amber statistician himself, Parker. We don't always see eye to eye on everything, but of course. And more than more than ecstatic to be here with you guys today. And yes. you know, I'm here to do two things, really. I'm here to talk about 2017 Kenny Hill being underrated. And I'm talking about how Max Duggan works out in a garage in a wife beater and a do-rag, smoking a cigarette, drinking straight Hennessy, asking people to do something about it. Because that man is so dang tough. He, he and, really is. And, and, and the smolder, I think, is the thing that stuck out most to me. Is oh like God. that picture that they released before the game of Max Duggan just smoke eyes <laughs> staring at the camera. I don't know how they got that picture, but that, uh, amazing. Oh, my gosh. It will be a phone wallpaper of mine till the end of time. But I will say, I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen the movie, um, There Will Be Blood. Uh, yes. So there is a scene in the church where uh, Daniel Plainview goes up to um, – Eli, and he says something that we do not hear. We cannot hear. And when Max ran for that touchdown and they cut the audio, I was so heartbroken because I would pay so much money to know what he was belligerently screaming in the uh, huddle that ran around him after he scored that because he was pumped. I think I dislocated my shoulder blade when I pumped this pump so hard. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was a it was a grand old game, I will say. Definitely. And, and yeah, Duggan, Duggan looked really, really great. Completed, you know, uh, 66% of his passes, I think with two drops. So, you know, over, over 70%, if you adjust that completion percentage, a QBR of, of 83, no passing touchdowns, but it didn't really matter. TCU moved the ball well passing, got to the red zone and then had three touchdowns, two of them from Duggan. Um, one of them from Darwin Barlow, which speaking of audio was an, one of the odder football touchdowns I've seen because there was just no audio cue mm-hmm. that he had scored. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe perhaps a little bit of a symptom of coronavirus uh there just no fans and some weird audio tcu averaged um an epa per play of 0.05 which uh tells us they weren't really adding a ton of explosive value but you can kind of parse it out in the run they were negative 0.02 uh, very poor rushing performance behind the behind the schedule there in passing they were positive 0.183 um so not a lot of rushing uh consistency not a lot of uh rushing explosiveness outside of perhaps two Duggan runs, um, but, but some really good passing moments um, and a really, really interesting game that kind of perhaps shouldn't have come down to the wire. So um, let's just bounce this around kind of talking head style. Grant, what were some of your thoughts uh, initially on the game? Well, I'm amazed that we made it, what, three minutes into this podcast without talking about penalties because I believe there were three on the first 
play of the game, uh, or at least one and then two on the, on the subsequent repeat kickoff and another. So, yeah, it was, it was extremely disjointed. And you talked, Parker, about how, how, some, how TC wasted some opportunities in the red zone. Um, I think they kicked four field goals. Um, that was disappointing. If TCU had lost this game, this podcast would be ready to like make host, wholesale changes to everything. But because it's a win, it doesn't matter. And I still stand by that. It doesn't matter. But the game was so disjointed. It was so sloppy on both sides of the ball um, that it's kind of hard to get a true feel of it. But basking in the afterglow, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic, Parker. I mean, I, I, I think it was a well-played game by the offense and the defense did enough. Yeah, I, I had those drives. There were, there were four drives that stuck out to me. TCU had first and 10 at the Texas 14, first and 10 at the Texas 37, first and 10 at the Texas 20, first and goal at the Texas 7, and have 12 points to show for those four drives, which uh, made this game a lot closer than it needed to be. Yes. Yeah, so, Mason, like, how much were you freaking out after that weird first quarter where nothing made sense? Yeah, I mean, we were on pace for that game to be about five and a half hours after the first quarter. The, the first – Quarter actually took, I believe it was an hour and six minutes to complete. And so I was ready to, it was like watching the Irishman back to back. And I was ready to have a mm-hmm. fully grown beard by the end of it. But, um, you know, it was, this year has been so much, and again, we're only two games in. And that first game, you know, I've been describing it as we tried to play two halves of football in one half, basically. Um, but, you know, the way that it kind of played out with everything, I was not once, other than the incredibly odd, like weird shovel fake reverse to Tay Barber, I never once yelled, like, what are we doing play calling wise? Like, again, runs will come and go. We'll have long runs, we'll have short runs. And Parker, I'm sure you are more wise to that and can bring up better stats than I can. But um, the play calling has been just like night and day from this year and last year. And, you know, with Meacham back, of course, and he's drinking for loco on the sideline. You can't convince me otherwise. But, um, you know, that is that has taken a lot of, frustration out of you know my my mind and mm-hmm. if I can kind of monologue a little bit you know again I don't want to overreact we're only two weeks into the season but my big takeaway is this is who I thought we would be in the 2018 year and you know TCU is trying to has been trying to find an identity as a football program since uh 2014-2015 Trayvon Boykin and Josh Doxson departed and you know 2016 it was we're going to throw the ball a lot still keep that high volume offense didn't really work out because we didn't have a quarterback connection, quarterback wide receiver connection like Josh and, and Trayvon. And then the next year it was, as Parker likes to call it, um, we're going to have death by a million cuts offense and but a really good defense so it doesn't matter. And then the next year we're going to have Sean Robinson turn into the NFL version of Demarcus Russell, fumble the ball 16 times a game. Defense kind of take a step back anyways, but we're still not getting blown out. Then last year, which we all like to forget, solid defense, but offense is a mess. And so we haven't really had a consistent winning philosophy since 2014, 2015. And so again, don't want to get ahead of myself, but if we can be a fun team that gets big chunk plays, moves the ball, maybe doesn't capitalize every time in the red zone. And we're probably going to be frustrating to watch at times, especially without this offensive line, which I'm sure we'll get to, but um, you know, this is who I thought we'd be post Trayvon and Josh. And it only took me, you know, four years to be right. But (laughs) yeah. um, Well, and yeah. I, I think that's pressing. I think the, the play calling has been night and day. I will, I will uh, just just pick and in, pick into the play calling a little bit because that's what I, I like to do. One, I think the shovel pass, uh, the weird screen thing, was a work of art. And uh, <laughs> Grant, Grant asked me earlier, he was like, "You're tweeting about this. Do you really mean that you like this play?" And I had to stop and say, "I don't know. I don't know how far down the rabbit hole I am." 
but I think I love this He's play. into the bit. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I'm, I'm, I don't even know if it's a bit anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I really love this play. Uh, the, the execution of the offensive line is bad. It's kind of like that third and 13 play mm-hmm. against Iowa State where they ran that shovel pass to Kendra Miller, and he just got obliterated mm-hmm. because the line just didn't do its job. This is a similar play, perhaps a little bit more chaotic. Um, but Barber's an athlete, and I think he does a really good job of getting away. There's a couple key blocks where, where linemen make secondary efforts, which we did not see a lot of. And again, we'll talk about the offensive line. But the right. thing that I think is the best part about this is that TCU is building off of concepts. So the offense the last three years has been, okay, we'll run jet motion. Okay, uh, we'll run a slant. All right, we're going to run inside zone. Okay, we're going to run inside zone 17 more times. But there, there's no continuity. There's no kind of logical, let me exploit this linebacker, give them a look, and then do it again and give them a different look. And TC's building off of this jet sweep motion. I think you could definitely see Meacham's fingerprints in this. This kind of idea that plays are not independent. You've got to build, you've got to show looks, and you've got to capitalize on it. So I love this play from that standpoint. There's purposeful motion. Um, the pistol, I think, gives a lot more versatility to the talent that we have. Uh, and so I really, really love that play. The The flip side of that about the play calling is I'll say Max's last run, I was kind of figuring out if this was like an audible to a QB draw and talking to some smarter people than me on Twitter. Um, and, and, and it's an RPO draw. Um, so Max Duggan standing back, looks at the linebacker. Linebacker takes the first step back. Duggan says, I'm going. He probably knew who's going before because the linebackers are standing approximately 17 yards apart. Uh, anyway, but the fact that this is in TC's playbook uh, t- 2008 TCU is is making that an inside zone RPO. They're wasting a player. They have a running back there. The linebacker's in the middle of the field, and that run doesn't happen. But because mm-hmm. TCU is, is changed a little bit, like you don't need a running back in the backfield to have a legitimate running threat. And here, if that linebacker is even halfway scared of Max Duggan, which people will be in the future, Duggan has – who is that? Johnson, I think? Or, yep. That's Pro Wells in the slot, whoever it is in the slot. Um, on a seam route, wide open touchdown. Like that's a, that's a touchdown either way. Um, and so I don't think that TCU has had touchdown plays like that uh, in, right. their, in their playbook at all. And so I'm really, really pleased to see that. Um, yeah, Grant, what did you think about play calling overall? Well, I thought it was, especially in the second half, I thought it opened up more and I thought we called plays better until we got to the red zone. Um, the, the thing about TCU's play calling is that we, we have, like you said, these, these great concepts and we're building on and, on first down and second down, I actually thought our play calling was pretty decent. We ran inside zone probably one too many times for my liking, but overall it was pretty good, and we tried some things. Go 64.5% ahead, rushing rate on early downs. And that doesn't account that, for that doesn't account point, for like uh, keeps on RPOs or whatever, but still, that's real okay, damn okay. high. Well, okay, that is real damn high. I, 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 what I was building up to was that I think we make really bizarre play calls in really crucial moments. So we, we talked about that jet sweep. That was super fun, right? But uh, on third down, uh, it was like third and one of the first quarter, and we ran basically a QB sweep with like seven linemen that Duggan got stuffed. He had no option to throw. It was just a complete, hey, okay, I'm going to just meander on down the line. He lost two yards. And then we get down. Uh, well, and, and on that one, and no, we, no action on the offensive line. Sorry, I'm very I'm very Exactly. No, no action that. whatsoever. No action. Yeah, no, you're good. Step. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. And then we get down near the goal line, and we throw a, a pass to Carter Ware, our beloved Carter Ware, who we're fans of, but also don't throw to him two yards short of the goal line um, on an out route. Seems like a really interesting choice. So sometimes I just think that we almost try to galaxy brain ourselves instead of just saying, hey, let's do what we're good at and have Duggan have a chance to throw the ball, hand it off if there's an opening or keep it himself, but, but don't pigeonhole ourselves into something that isn't really our specialty. 
And that's what kind of bothers Absolutely. me about the play calling. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I and I think that, agree. well, Mason, I was going to turn this to you and I was just going to say, sure. given uh, that there were opportunities for Max Duggan to pass the ball, how good is Quentin Johnson? Uh, so there are, there are, there are boys, there are guys, there are men, and then there are dudes. And Quentin Johnson is a dude. And so yep. that man is, you know, he's going to put on some muscle too, just the longer he's here. And he's going to be just like a beast. And, you know, if, had he, had he br- hauled in that one-handed catch that the ground broke up, I think I would have began floating and my third eye would have opened on top of my forehead. But no, he, uh, he is something that, you know, again, I, I have nothing but love for Jalen Rager and he could always go up and get it and whatnot. He, you know, he wasn't the tallest guy. And so Quentin's like this, he's this mix of this gazelle and this tiger, because whenever he's running, he's like a gazelle, these long, weird strides. And then when he like goes up for the ball or is in, you know, contact with the defender, he's like a tiger. He's like, get off me, son. He's like the, uh, mm-hmm. he's the, oh, who said it? Who's the, you can't, he can't guard me. The, uh, the Des Bryant clip from, from training camp is he can't guard me. He can't guard me. So that's what he feels like right now. Again, just a true freshman, but I did have a question for you, Parker, while we are talking about play calling. So yeah. I know last year, you constantly talked about how Max Duggan succeeded in spite of the play calling. It kind of seemed like he had two ankle weights around him the entire season so far through basically, you know, five quarter or sorry, six quarters that he's been able to play. How have you feel about that? If you feel that it's kind of same, are we getting in the right direction or are we there? Okay. So that's a great question because you could be tempted to, in a vacuum, take highlights of Max Duggan running from last year and mm. juxtapose them with highlights of Max Duggan running this year and saying, see, we're still doing the same thing. Like, this is good. But the key difference is uh, Max Duggan had three scrambles in this game. That's it. Three scrambles. Right. Um, Max Duggan is not bailing out of the pocket. He is getting designed quarterback runs. He is getting opportunities to have run pass option and keep them. Those plays that he's making are not – third and 15, let me bail my team out. They are first and 10, we're attacking. Um, And so I think that there is like some observational equivalence there just in the fact that like, hey, Max Duggan is running. Uh, But ultimately, we're seeing those happen on different downs and we're seeing those happen in different ways. And so this is truly like when you, you know, the phrase I think I said last year was exactly that. It would be nice if TCU designed an offense where Max Duggan could succeed, not in spite of, but because of their play calling. And this year he is. There were still a couple slow developing routes. And I think especially with the offensive line, which we should probably talk about because we mentioned five or six times, Uh, especially with that offensive line, the slow developing routes are going to be a little bit more dicey, but getting the ball out quick, options, reads, uh, design, design runs. A lot of that is, is really, really encouraging. Again, only two games in really only, only three halves in, um, but still pretty, pretty encouraging overall. Uh, Grant, do you have thoughts about play calling to wrap that up? Or do you just want to, do you just want to get into the gory offensive line? I want to rip the bandaid off and talk about the (laughs) offensive line. Uh, it's bad. And, and Parker, so we were talking bad. before the podcast. It's very bad. We were talking before the podcast. TCU probably has played the two toughest pass rushers that we'll see all season between Jaquan Bailey and Joseph Asai. But that does not excuse the abysmal play from the offensive line in this game. I, I, I will never question a kid that, that gives their all. I think there were times when some of the offensive line almost seemed disinterested during the game. And, and that kind of made me mad. There's a lot of standing around and guys not, you know, it, it, if you don't have anyone to block, go find someone to hit. You know, I, I there were guys that weren't doing their job for, for TCU. They, they didn't stop a stunt. It, it felt like all game. So if a side just like moved over from in to tackle like mid play, then they had no idea what the hell they were doing. 
uh, it, it was a complete disaster. And even though there was only one sack, it felt like they were getting to Duggan on, well, what we calculated it one of every three plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty, pretty high pressure rate there allowed. Um, the, the, the good news is, you know, Wes, Wes Harris is good at pass blocking, uh, 71% oh, yeah. grade, uh, Brandon Coleman had a, a 69 grade there. Um, so almost 70 as nice. well. Um, it, he came in in relief, uh, at, at right tackle. Um, we, the, the, yeah, they, they, they've got to figure out the alignment there because they're bringing Coleman in later and he's been better. Avila started at guard over Quazel White, who, uh, frankly, is a nice guy, but probably shouldn't continue to get extended minutes. Um, and then, yeah, but, but both tackles are bad. So, yeah, Mason, what were your thoughts about the offensive line there? You know, I mean, I think we're all in the same boat. Uh, I, you know, I know it's called the offensive line, but to me it's been the offensive line. Like, just it's so <laughs> I'm sure this will be the first and – last time that I was ever said on this podcast, but we're coming um, back. <laughs> you know, it, the, the, the more I'm, I'm in two minds, you know, of course there, a lot of them are new and, you know, I try to take off the purple glasses when I watch TCU football and try to be as objective as, as, as I can. But, you know, when they weren't getting beat, they were getting penalized and they are just a combination of like Grant said, like go find somebody to, to block or run over if you're not doing anything. Um, but like they were just getting called on false start starts. Jamie uh, Plunkett had a great tweet was with when we had a false start and both tackles jumped at the exact same time. That was the most in sync they had been all day. And so, you know, I mean, again, we haven't really talked about the whole penalty thing, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was sloppy and, you know, Max was on his back a lot. And, you know, again, I, I fear for him because he is so good, but we, you know, I, I think if there's anything that's going to yeah. limit us, it's going to be the line play on both sides. Um, you know, considering we also had zero sacks on the day and only two quarterback hurdles, yeah. which we'll get there. But um, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the biggest thing for me every game, and it's the unfortunately the most important part of the offense outside of the quarterback is the offensive line play, and yeah. their pass protection is very suspect at times. Uh, you know, thank goodness we have quality running backs because they can you know, get out of the backfield as quick as possible. Um, which by the way, shout out to uh, Miller, who I believe Parker last week said just is a beautiful runner. He absolutely has sweet feet. Shout out to him. Yep. Um, but yeah, the offensive line play is, is just, it's, it's suspect. Yes. You know, it's you suspect. know who TCU's highest graded pass blocker is? This year? Is Marco Foster this year. Is our <laughs> okay. pass well, that's not good. Well, yeah. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I want to, I want to be positive. Look, we could sit here and bemoan the offensive line all we want. Unless any, anyone has anything else they want to say, I want to pivot to defense real quick. That's great. Just because I, I know they gave up 31 points, but I'm still kind of happy with TCU's defensive effort. And I think there's a player that kind of encapsulates how that game was for the entire TCU defense, and that's LeKendrick Van Zant, who, you know, picked off a pass and then got a penalty for taunting after the play that basically cost TCU a touchdown. And then blue coverage – and allowed Keontae Ingram to get, or I think it was Ingram, get wide open on a slot down the field in the fourth quarter, but then made up for it by a Herculean effort to go and tackle him, and that saved the touchdown, and ultimately Ingram fumbled on the one-yard line. So let's talk about Van Zant first and then kind of expand to the rest of the defense. But uh, we'll round table it. Parker first, did you have any thoughts on, on the Kendrick? I, I did. He uh, is is stressful. So we knew it was going to be an upgrade uh, to have him move back from linebacker to safety. Last year, he filled in at linebacker just due to some depth issues um, and some injuries. And and he's a little bit too small to be, to be linebacker. So 
Um, really, really glad to see him do so well there. Um, I think the grade wasn't amazing. Yeah, so his defensive grade in this game was 48.5. Uh, and that is just because he had some mistakes, but he also had some great moments. Um, I, I, I will say that TCU clearly has an issue defending the wheel route, and that is clearly around yep. some kind of communication with the linebackers and with this – The I guess – help me with my terminology. He's the well, strong safety, not the free safety. I believe so. And I'll also say that I, I agree we have a problem with the wheel route. This is just an aside that I noticed on, I think, Texas's first successful wheel route. We brought a safety blitz or corner blitz from that side. So it makes sense why there was no one there. We just, like, Texas just sprung the right play on us at the right time. But anyway, yeah, continue, continue. Yeah, so I think that he is a very good defender who perhaps is um, a, a little young, uh, a little mm-hmm. unpolished he hadn't played a full season at this position um, and, and that's leading to some boom and bust outcomes. You, you'd hope that would settle going down because um, he can still make those big time plays. And I think there's a world where he makes those big time plays and then doesn't make the boneheaded mistakes that he has made and becomes like an, an excellent defender uh, for sure. Um, yeah. That, that, that's secondary. I really, really liked overall. I want, I want to point something out uh, here too. I, I said all last week that I was very worried about Trevious Hodges Tomlinson because Texas was going to go deep and they were going to attack him. They were going to pick on him. Uh, Tomlinson did, did great. Uh, had, had some yeah. really good tackles, was in coverage 43 times. Um, re- realistically, like, didn't, you know, uh, six targets, two receptions. Uh, only allowed 11 yards. Um, allowed one yards after the, ca- uh, after the catch. Like, was, was a really, really good corner. We know he has the talent. We knew that he was young. We knew we were going to ask a lot of him. Last week, people were calling for Keon Stewart, and I think just a really great job by Tomlinson, knowing that, that they were going to That's a bad take. Him. Yeah, I, yeah I, agree. I, I agree. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't mean to cut you out of this basically. No, no. Like, I, I, like, no, no offense to Keon Stewart at all, but Hodges Tomlinson is a player. He also, Mason, I don't know if you caught this or not, tackled a guy by putting his helmet directly in the other guy's uh, wiener. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that play or not, but uh, uh, it, was, yeah. it was incredible. No, I'm sure I – Mason, I'm well, sure. yeah, uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. saying, Did you I'm see sure it? I felt it on some level, even <laughs> if I didn't see it exactly. Like, Three man everywhere. It was like, ugh, sometimes. <laughs> Literally, Grant, Grant and I texted each other. We're like, did he just – yep, he did. Yeah, uh, no, he did. He did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but Mason, Mason what do you think of the back half of the defense? Yeah, I mean, I think the secondary is what um, – I mean, and this is going to be the story of the season. I'm just calling it now. This, And, again, we are not the 2014 team, but the defense at least reminds me a little bit of the 2014 defense. While we don't have all-world linebacker Paul Dawson here to do everything and run around the field, Garrett Wallow is no slouch, but the secondary is what's going to be – you know, what gives quarterbacks problems, not our defensive front. And I think I've already accepted that and that's fine. Um, but again, you know, Javon Morig, you have the naming rights to my second child because Jalen Rager has the first currently, but um, yeah. And I'm so disappointed that they called it a touchdown and it probably was, but the hit at the goal line that Washington delivered oh, yeah. on number, I think it was number seven of Texas. And he like, he clapped him pretty good. And mm-hmm. I would have loved for that to be just left at the one. But again, you know, we're, we're playing great. And Hodges Tomlinson, uh, actually not to bring up a different game, but uh, ESP, uh, ABC ran an interesting graphic of the wide receiver height for all the Iowa State receivers. And their average height, I believe, was 6'2 or 6'3. And, you know, Hodges Tomlinson, you guys talked about it last week. His height is not, you know, he's probably as tall Fair. as me or Kyler Murray at best. And so you know, he's not going to win those one-on-one matchups every single snap, every single time, especially when TCU is constantly asking their 
their cornerbacks to be on islands. So I liked a lot of what I saw from the secondary again. Safeties can do no wrong by me um, for the most part. But yeah, the, the wheel route is, uh, I, it's going to come back again. I just know it. Uh, yep. So other than that, you know, I liked what I saw. But again, yeah. always in for improvement and cover wheel routes, Gary. I like probably the points. Oh, that, right? No, I was just going to say that's probably the only time that we'll hear uh, Mason Treen and Kyler Murray in the same sentence. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Athletic bill. Athletic bill. I like some things about the rotation that I, that I found interesting. TCU ran three down uh, a little bit more than they did uh, last yeah. week. Uh, they didn't involve Marcel Brooks in that at all. Um, he only had two snaps, so not 100% sure what's going on there. Would really like to see him. Uh, but uh, Dylan Horton took uh, more snaps than Parker Workman, and, uh, and ultimately Kari Coleman played that right end uh, pretty much as the, as the starter and, and the bulk of the snaps there. Um, and so Workman, you know, Workman got in on nine, nine snaps, but um, it was largely they were putting in Horton if they were going to go to that three down and kind of being a little bit more adaptive. Um, so again, if you're look, if your problem is you're giving up explosive passes, which TCU is, they're you know they allowed uh, only a thirty percent success rate on passes to Texas, but a zero point one seven six EPA per uh, pass, which is just telling you like, hey, they weren't consistently catching the ball, but they were consistently moving the ball when they did catch it. So they were they were pretty explosive. And you know if you're going to be giving up explosive passes, if that's your problem, and you're not getting a pass rush stop wasting a defender. Uh, I don't want to drop eight necessarily, but like, let's get some different looks in there. Let's get some different personnel. So I like that rotation a lot. I do like that TCU has what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their starters. The basically uh, the, the back six and then Corey Bethley who can play 60 snaps a game. Um, our Darius Washington and Oshawn Mathis were both right there at about, about 59. So TCU is largely determined, um, which is, good from like an experience and continuity and a learning standpoint, but also bad from a, Hey, maybe the pass rush isn't getting better. Like maybe there's nobody coming in uh, to fix it. And so that is a little bit worrisome, but I did like that Kari Coleman came in and and got most of the snaps. Um, And we'll see what happens with Marcel Brooks, man. I just, I just don't understand that. He was on special teams and had a boneheaded boneheaded penalty, which I'm sure is a way to get on coach P's bad list and have to go think about your life in the corner for a little bit. But it's okay. Patterson also had a boneheaded penalty, uh, yeah. although that was the ref's fault. Uh, I mean, like that, that was that was straight up Mark Cohen tripping on the sidelines of the Cheez It Bowl. Bad. Like it was. <laughs> I was going was to fun. ask who who had a better referee tackle, TCU's uh, SID uh, <laughs> Mark Cohen in the Cheez It Bowl or Gary Patterson? Uh, that referee flopped, dude. He it like hit, he hit Gatter, he, he hit Patterson. Yeah, absolutely, they, they ran into each other, and he just went to the ground. Um, yeah, yeah kind of crazy. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Overall, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, we'll, we'll get the final word here. Let's bounce around the final word. So uh, I, I think I've said my piece. Grant, do you have a final word? And then we'll let Mason. Uh, we'll let Mason have the final say here. Oh God, that's a dangerous thing. No, I, uh, I, I listen. Like I said, this was a sloppy game, and and it was as we talked about Parker. The only game TCU could have won was a really weird one, and that's exactly what happened. It was disjointed. It was it was, um, you know, like Mason said, long at points, but it's games like this where you're kind of reminded of as much as we like to clown on Gary Patterson, like he thrives in these games and the man hates Texas. So it, the fact that TCU is able to beat Texas for the seventh time in nine years, Duggan once again shines uh, in a game that kind of proves that he really is the quarterback we thought he was. There's enough good in this game to make me as a complete Homer, totally forget about the bad. And I'm just going to ride this victory into the sunset. I think TCU is a good team. I think they, 
have shown that they can compete with a really, really talented bunch. And I think that next week it's Kansas state. Uh, they sh- it's going to be really interesting. Will we see the Texas TC, the second half Texas TCU, or will we see the first half Iowa state TCU differences, Max Duggan's of the game. So there you go. Mason, your final word. Yeah. Uh, so guys, none of us brought up this fact that Zach Evans played a snap for he TCU. Did. He did. He hit the over on his career over under, guys. He played one. Actually, I think he played. I think he played three. I think he came in for actually maybe two he, series. He there, actually but. had seven snaps. That is, like, I am so happy. I thought he was going to be your classic. Never plays. Enters the transfer portal. Never see or hear from him ever again. But hey, he played. That's that was awesome for me. So uh, you know, overall, again. Um, you know, TCU is, as we all know, is not like a Alabama. It's not a, even an LSU. Like we don't really, we, we don't reload. We're not a consistently 10 win program. And, you know, I love the frog than anybody, but I have no problem saying that. And every time TCU is queued up for a good season, they always have their coming out game. And this, you know, is an on the road game. So 2014, we hosted a peaking number three ranked Oklahoma team. In 2017, we went on the road to, I think, number six ranked Oklahoma State and won. And so this feels like that type of game. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're only in week two and it is a very weird season. Um, but it definitely does feel like we're piecing it together. We're playing with confidence more so than we did at all last time or last year. And so I'm hoping that, you know, we're going to have our weaknesses on offense and defense, as we've discussed. But really the way to win football games in 2020 is to have the better strength. And so you don't have to have a perfect defense and perfect executing defense, but what you're good at, you need to be better at than what the other team is best at. And so, you know, if Max can keep playing uh, like a crazy insane person and keep making plays with his legs and keep hitting, you know, receivers in the, with, um, you know, dimes, then I, I like the chance we have. And I think that we can, if we get into a shootout, we'll be able to hang around instead of, you know, falling over like we did last year. So uh, the secondary is going to keep our defense locked in for the most part, but, um, that lack of a pass rush still scares me. That being said, I'm, I have hope for the first time so in a long yeah. time. So. It does. It does. That's a great word, Mason. It does feel good to, to feel like things are clicking. And, you know, we know that 2021 has been the year. We've had 2021 in our sights for a long time. And uh, what I'm really optimistic about is uh, last year, the Texas game kind of felt like, hey, maybe everything's clipping, clicking clicking excuse me for TCU and then Lucas Nyang gets hurt he opts for the surgery into mm-hmm. season the offensive line goes to hell the play calling stutters uh everything kind of falls apart and and, and you think oh no uh we're gonna we're gonna waste a, a development cycle and um this year we don't have that uh we don't have that issue you know we've got played two really really good teams played perhaps the the two biggest contenders for the big 12 championship now uh gotten out of the way have some games here where we can kind of ramp up get things right continue to excel and so very very um potentially encouraging there knowing that uh with all the weirdness this offseason with all the max duggan injuries uh we, we are on track to have a pretty excellent 2021 and everything that happens this year is is just icing on the cake toward that end so uh, TCU hosts Kansas State this weekend. Neither team is ranked in the AP poll, but both are receiving votes. 
the winner presumably will be ranked next Sunday. So a big game on the line. TCU hasn't been ranked, uh, honest to God, in, in a while. So uh, we'll, be a, we'll be a big deal overall. Make sure you're subscribed to the Purple Theory newsletter to get all of that good stuff. Uh, Grant will have a Monday morning recap tomorrow. I'll have my stats recap on Tuesday. And then Wednesday we'll have our midweek preview Friday again with our um, – with our weekend highlight uh, kind of a round table with Melissa and Jamie and uh, perhaps some Kansas state friends. So make sure you're subscribed for that and you can find all of that there. Mason, tell the people where they can find your scalding takes on Twitter and elsewhere. So I write every Monday for frogsofwar.com. I'm the columnist for the Monday morning quarterback. I am a, the impoverished man's Peter King is what I'm known online. You can also find me on Twitter at Mason underscore B Shireen, spelled C-H-R-E-E-N-E, for sad memes, social network takes, and um, just a good time. So that's where you can find me on Twitter. Hey, Mason, you know what's not cool? A million dollars. You know what is cool? A, a billion. billion dollars. And beating tech news. <laughs> Go Frogs.